And since you liked him so much last week, we asked him to come back. <laughs> Danny Meyer. Here, yeah. Good morning. You know, let me, let me just uh, say a quick word about the, the national conference. You know, as Bill mentioned, we do a national conference for uh, all the vineyard churches every other year. It turns out this year they're going to be doing it here in Columbus. What is particularly special about this national conference is that they're inviting churches, uh, vineyard churches from really around the world. I think there's something like 50, 60 countries that will be coming in with uh, pastors and, and individuals from churches really uh, around the globe. So this will be a, a, just a fun, a dynamic conference. If you're able to make it, I guarantee you'll thoroughly enjoy it. If, if finances is a, is a problem, I know they, as Bill mentioned, they are looking for volunteers. And I think the way they're working it is that if you volunteer to serve for a morning and an afternoon, you can attend the rest of the conference for free or afternoon and evening. So uh, call, I think there's an uh, email address in the announcement sheet, Diane Bauman. You can email her and let her know you want to volunteer and confirm that you have free entrance into the conference. You'll have a, a, a very, very good time. So uh, think about that. Well, we're going to continue in our series out of uh, the primarily the book of Genesis. You remember we've been looking at the life of the patriarchs, those who God had called and who God had established, uh, and really are the, the foundations, the examples, the, the forefathers of this faith that we are uh, walking in, this journey of faith that we are uh, proceeding with. And I, what I'm going to be talking about today really builds on last week. So let me just, in a sentence or two, summarize what we talked about last week so we could use that as a launching pad. You remember last week, I, I talked mostly about this concept of God as a covenant-making God. In other words, the way that God has, has chosen to relate to us, the way that God communicates, or at least one of the ways that God has communicated to his people, his intentions and his purposes, is through forming covenants with his people. And a covenant, in, in some ways, it's, it's a contract, but the concept of covenant has far more to do with, with relationship than simply a contract in a business uh, context. It's a, a relational promise that God has made with his people. And from the very beginning of time, you remember, God made covenants with, with Adam. He made covenants with Noah. He made a covenant with Abraham that we've been looking at. Made a covenant with Isaac and Jacob, the, uh, the other two patriarchs that we'll be looking at over the months to come. Made a covenant with Moses, the, the Mosaic covenant where he gave the law. And, and it's not so much that these covenants were standalone, independent covenants or contracts or promises, but each covenant that God makes builds on the prior ones. It builds on what he's already promised, the, the unconditional promises that he makes to his people. But what I, I really want us to understand when we're considering this topic of covenants, or quite frankly, as you think about God, your relationship with God, and how God desires to, to relate to, to you and to all of us together, is to recognize that foundational, fundamental to God's character, just at the core of God's interaction and desire to uh, to, uh, to know us and to be known is this passion that he has and he, it's summed up in a phrase that really is, is used throughout the scriptures which, where God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. That God's desire fundamentally is to have a people of his own. It wasn't an afterthought. He didn't think of it after he created you know, uh, human beings and say, well, they're kind of cute. Maybe I'll, I'll connect with them a little bit. Fundamental to who God is, is this passionate desire to connect with his people, to connect with all those that he's created, to know us and to be known by us. 
So over and over again, dozens of times, starting in the book of Genesis, Genesis, right on through the book of Revelation, God repeatedly says, I will be your God, you will be my people. He's not a God who is far off. He's not a God that, that just started things off and then stands back and watches. He's a God who has chosen to draw close to us. From the very beginning of time, it was within God's heart to draw near. The coming of Jesus Christ, the, 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 the Son of God, the second person of the, the, the triune God. Had, Jesus is an expression of this desire for God to be known, to come close, to draw near, to draw his people to be connected to them. We see with the patriarchs, God over and over came to Abraham, then came to Isaac, came to Jacob, came to Moses, revealing himself to them, speaking to them, calling them to come close. And I I want you to know that every one of you have have a God in heaven who reached out, is reaching out, inviting you to draw near. You may think that you're a follower of of Christ because you happen to have the good fortune of, of growing up in a Christian home. You may think that you're a follower of Christ because your grandmother took you to church with her. You may think you're a follower of Christ because some neighbor invited you to go to a vacation Bible school or because your mother grabbed you by the ear every Sunday and said, you're going to church whether you like it or not. I want to tell you this, that you are a follower of Christ Because Jesus saw you, Jesus knew you, and Jesus approached you. He may have used your grandmother or your neighbor or your your, uh, best friend or a teacher. But behind that was God's personal desire to apprehend your life. To make himself known to you. And to draw you into an ongoing relationship. His his desire wasn't to get you to pray a prayer so you can be checked off the list and then he moves on with with more of what he's up to in creation. His desire wasn't just to to get you on the inside and and then hope that you make the best of it while you're here on this earth. His desire is for a day by day, moment by moment connection with him that brings life to who you are, that brings definition to why you are. God is a God who is drawn near and who wants a people of his own. And that needs to be clearly understood. If we're going to glean anything out of this series, it needs to be clearly understood if you are going to experience anything close to the abundant life that Christ has called us to. It's all about relationship. And I would take a step even further by saying this. The essence of our walk of faith, the core characteristic of the Judeo-Christian experience and, and religion, if you will, is God's desire and ability to speak to us, to speak directly to us, to communicate with us, and to listen to our communication. That God, you say it this way, God is a, a, a dialogical being. That is, he is, he, in, in the essence of who he is and his character, he is all about dialogue. And I, I would go as far as saying this, if that doesn't characterize your walk with God, genuine dialogue, where you speak to him and have some growing confidence that your words aren't just floating into the air, that you can grow in your ability to hear and to discern his voice and to sort of capture what he might be saying to you as he nudges you along, as he, as he directs your steps, as he guides you, if you're not growing in your ability to communicate with him and to hear from him, 
then what I would say clearly, biblically speaking, is that you and I then are living a substandard Christian life. If, if our Christian life is simply a matter of, of coming to learn a body of truth, if our Christian life is, is simply a matter of, of developing a, a, a godly lifestyle, all which is good and fine, but if that is the substance of our walk of faith, keeping rules, behaving well, then we are experiencing something far far less than what God intended. No different than if, if when I married Penny, the substance of our marriage and the, the foundation of our marriage is simply that 41 years ago we, we made vows to one another and since that time we sort of lived together and happened to have our lives cross paths together, but there was no dynamic interaction. There was no dynamic sharing of, of life and dialogue and connection. We'd still be married, but we would be experiencing a subnormal marriage, something far less than we intended, far less than is possible. So God is, a, is desiring to allow this relationship with us be marked and characterized by dialogue, by communication. Listen to what it says in Psalm 135. Here, the psalmist says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. What he says to the, the idolatrous cultures that uh, were, were surrounding Israel at the time is that they will become like those who worship the idols. They will become like the idols themselves in that though they have a capacity or an appearance like they should be able to speak. There'll be no voice, there'll be no communication, there'll be no dialogue, mouths that can't speak, ears that can't hear. And those who worship idols or allow idols to become the, the, the foundation of their faith, they'll become like the idols themselves. A spiritual life not marked by real communication, by speaking and hearing. A spiritual connection that is not experiential in any sort of way. You know, this is why, why Paul said, it's Christ in me that is my hope. It's the reality that God is with me. Paul said over and over in so many different ways, that gives this life here on earth substance and reality. What, what is sad is that I, I think for many of us, we have more confidence and a greater ability to recognize the enemy's voice speaking to us, you know, to, to know and be able to recognize when, when we're being tempted by Satan, we can recognize that, oh, I was really being tempted, or I had to really resist that temptation today. We have more ability to recognize Satan's voice than our Heavenly Father's voice. What's that all about? Our Father is speaking to us regularly, continually. It's not a lack of His communication it's that some of us may be oblivious to that he is actually speaking. Some of us may have been taught that he doesn't speak. Some of us may not like how he speaks. Some of us may not like what he's saying to us. But the reality is, he is speaking to you. This, this dialogue, this communication, 
is what makes the Christian life abundant. What makes this life more than just shuffling around, staying out of trouble? You know, we, we talk about sometimes, I talk to people and they say, oh, you know, I, I, being a Christian, it just seems boring and dull. And you know why they think that? Because it's boring and dull. Because for whatever reason, one of the reasons I may have just mentioned, they have not come to realize that there's a God who's drawn close and that we can grow in our recognition of his voice and our ability to connect. Now, God is a covenant-making God. We see God establish his covenant. We talked a number of weeks ago about how he called Abraham. Abraham was a pagan, an idolater, minding his own business in the city of Ur. And all of a sudden, God came and said, Abraham, I am calling for you to be the father of, of a great nation of people. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm, I'm going to bless the whole world through one of those descendants. God drew near to Abraham and set him aside for special purposes. God is interested in drawing near to you because God does have special purposes for your life and for my life. And it's that dynamic of embracing it, of, of taking those handfuls of God's purposes, those handfuls of, of those heavenly purposes, and bringing them from heaven to earth through our lives, that makes this walk of faith something, something special. Apart from that, it's kind of dull and boring. But if there's a God in heaven who speaks to us, who knows us, who wants to capture our lives and bring us into his, his plans, then it's, it's very different. And, and that's one of the reasons why God has made these covenants, because he wants to make those purposes known to us broadly and then with us as individuals more specifically. And there's a covenant that we live under that has been built upon the Abrahamic covenant. We're, we're, we live under the, the, what's referred to as the, the new covenant. And again, it's not new in that it's separate from. It's new in that it's, the, it's added on to the promises that he made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and so on and so forth. Listen, listen to what it says about the covenant that, that we live under. This is, this is a prophecy, God speaking to Israel. And he says to Israel, his his covenant people. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 31, 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. It's not going to be like the, the, the Mosaic covenant. You know, a tablet of, of stone that Moses was given and comes down off the mountain and says, here's what God wants us to do. It's not going to be like that. Because they broke my covenant, although I was a husband to him, declares the Lord. But he says in verse 33, this is the covenant I'll make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. There it is again. That's his passion. That's his desire. And what he says about this new covenant is rather than being a, a, his purposes chiseled in, 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 the, in some stone tablet, he's going to carve his purposes. He's going to write his, his will and his desire on the fleshly tablets of our hearts and on our, on our minds, that within you he will be speaking and directing and showing you his plans and his purposes. And what's most exciting about this new covenant that we live under is when he says in verse 34, 
No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. They will all know me, from the least to the greatest. It's not just for the the special Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It's not just for Moses that I'll come and reveal my my will to. You know, under the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, would come and fill an individual for God's special purpose. The Holy Spirit would come and fill the kings of Israel as they functioned in, in that role. And sometimes, because of their own sinfulness, the Spirit would be removed from them. You remember David in Psalm 51, after he committed the sin with Bathsheba, he said, God, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. He knew that he had sinned against God, and he knew that the Holy Spirit was, was not given permanently. The individuals who built the temple, the craftsmen, the Holy Spirit was given to them, the Bible says. They were filled with the Spirit for that particular task. And then when they were done, the Holy Spirit would lift off of them. But what we live under, what we experience, is the Holy Spirit is given to us from the least to the greatest, from the youngest to the oldest, from the the, the smartest to the stupidest, from... We are given the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Under this covenant, we all have the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit is revealing and writing God's purposes on our hearts and on our minds, and the Holy Spirit won't be taken away. God's desire is for us to know what he's doing to hear what he's saying, to be engaged, to be drawn into his plans. That's our privilege. So we need to learn to take advantage of this relationship. We need to to make the most of this invitation into intimacy. let's, Let's go ahead and look at Abraham and how God is relating. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Right now it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great tree of uh, Mamre, and while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby, and when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground, and he said, if I have found favor in your, in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Now, I don't know what he saw. I don't, I, I don't know exactly how these three men appeared. But we know a couple of things. Number one, we know that that was God's, God manifesting himself, manifesting himself to Abraham. It said, the Lord appeared to Abraham. I don't know how, what, how Abraham recognized those aren't just three normal men passing by our, our encampment. He saw them. He recognized that it was God appearing to him, a pre-incarnation uh, revelation of God. He came and he bowed to him. He, he knew, I am before God. Now, I don't know how, because when God spoke to him before, it wasn't as though he came as as three individuals. But it's not our responsibility to figure out, is that God or is that not God? God takes that responsibility to reveal himself and to stir our hearts. I'll say a few more words about that in a moment. Going on, it says, let a little water be brought and then you may all wash uh, your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you some, something to eat so you'll be uh, refreshed. And then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. 
Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sailors of, of finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant who hurried to prepare it. He brought them some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near, near them under a tree. What, what I appreciate about Abraham, what we can learn from, from our patriarch, our, our model, our example of the faith, uh, uh, faith life, is that even though it was God who takes responsibility to draw near, it was God who came in the form of these three men and, and made him, God made himself, made it clear to Abraham this is an encounter with the living God. What we see in Abraham was the fact that he welcomes interruptions. Now, I, I, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. And I, I'm sad to say that I believe oftentimes I miss the, the, the voice of God, the impact of God, the in, the encountering of God in my life because I'm not expecting, anticipating, welcoming interruption. I mean, I am a, you know, I have places to go and people to see and things to do. I have things I'm thinking about, things I'm doing. I have hobbies. I have chores. I have, and sometimes our life can become so full that even if God wants to draw near to us, it's as though that entrance into our lives, that door through which he needs to come, is, is shut so tightly, sealed so firmly, that there's no ability to penetrate our lives. But what we see just in this passage with Abraham is he welcomed interruption. I mean, he looked outside that tent and he wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, there's who are those people, uh, whatever, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in here taking a nap. You know, who are those guys? It doesn't matter. I'm busy reading a good novel. Who are those guys? I don't care. I have to figure out how I'm going to, you know, you know what, what the next encampment will be and how we're going to get there. But, but uh, Abraham saw to it that there was room, there were margins in his life through which God can come and draw near. And we need to ask ourselves, do we have those margins? Now we may think, well, I have a quiet time every morning. I, I read the scriptures, I try to read them almost every day. And that, that's fine. But it doesn't mean that you have margins. Unless there's room even as you're having your quiet time for God to speak to you. Sometimes we approach our life with God, even our spiritual lives with God, and we're just so busy reading and reading and reading that we never give a chance for even for the scriptures to read us. That we don't approach God's word with the heart that says, Lord, I don't want to just get information today. I don't want to just grow in my grip on theology, facts, and information. I, I want to encounter you. Is there something that you are saying to me today in what I'm reading? And unless we pause when we're in his presence, we're not going to hear. Sometimes we march into God's presence with burdens and, and lovely that we do and we share with him what's going on in our lives. We share what's, what our concerns are, what our needs are. And we're told to do that, to boldly enter his presence and make our needs known. But no sooner do we finish sharing our needs that we spout in Jesus' name, amen, and then go on our way. And God's sitting there saying, wait, 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 wait. And off we are. We need to make sure that we allow there to be times where we can be interrupted. Where we can 
actively pursue, where we're looking for, where we can expect and anticipate God's desire to speak to you today. Without a doubt, I mean, the scriptures say that God's thoughts, his words towards us are more numerous than the fingers on our hand. He has five thoughts towards you per week, and that's it. No. He says, my thoughts and words towards you are more numerous than the sands of the sea. He's thinking about you continually, regularly, speak. It's sort of like radio waves. Right now in this room, this room is absolutely inundated with radio waves. But we don't hear any of them unless we have a receiver that's tuned in. And then we can hear what those radio waves are doing, saying. God is speaking to you. This afternoon, he wants to talk your ear off, perhaps, about what's coming up, about what he sees, about what he loves, about what he's working on, about how he wants to use you. Are we tuning in, saying, Lord, I, I want to I hear, I want to listen. We need to make sure that not only are we open for interruptions from God, but that we haven't put him in a box of how he is allowed to speak to us. But to, to embrace and to treasure any interaction. I mean, it would have been easy for Abraham to say, no, here's how God speaks, because I heard him in Ur when he called me to leave my home and go to that land of promise. You know, three men outside, that's not God. That's not how he, he communicates to me. But God gets to communicate any way he wants, and therefore we need to be open to allow him to do that. However you want to speak, Lord, I'm willing to listen. And, and how is it that God speaks? Well, I, I already mentioned he speaks through his word and that we need to make sure that we allow the scriptures to speak to us and not just simply be a source of, of information. God speaks to us like it says in Jeremiah 31 by writing his words on our hearts and on our minds. You know, what, what that means are some of your thoughts aren't yours. Some of your feelings aren't yours. It's God speaking, God writing on your heart, on your mind. Sometimes the thought comes to your mind and you just think, oh, isn't that interesting? Where did that come from? You're walking, minding your own business, and a, and a person you haven't seen for a while, a person from, from when you went to high school comes to mind, you think, oh, that's odd. I haven't thought of them for a while. Oh, whatever. And off you go. And you don't realize, wait a second. Might that have been God writing that person's, bringing to my mind that, that person? Are we willing to pause and say, Lord, do you, do you want me to, Call is it, Are you bringing them to mind so I can pray for Why did they come to mind? Is this you, Lord? And begin to recognize how he wants to speak. Sometimes your emotions are God's directing of your life. He did it with Jesus. Oftentimes in the Gospels it says Jesus was moved by compassion and did such and such. Moved by compassion, he raised the widow's son. Moved by compassion, he prayed for this individual. Sometimes you feel this sense of, of justice. You have this overwhelming sense of mercy. You have this enormous sense of compassion. And as good as you may think you are, sometimes that's God saying, oh, I want you to act on this. I'm moving, I'm riding on the, the fleshly tablet of your heart. So we, that's why we take our thoughts captive and say, Lord, is this me? Is it you? 
Is it the pizza I ate for lunch? But God speaks that way through our thoughts, through our emotions, that inner voice, and we can begin to pay attention to it. He can speak to us through prophecy and dreams and visions. Oh, now we're getting a little weird. I'm not into that weird stuff. Well, what if God wants to speak to you through a prophecy? Oh, come on, God. Why can't we just, just give me a scripture verse? It's far more evangelical than prophecies. God gets to speak however he wishes. God gets to speak to you in any way he chooses. Now, granted, there are certain ways that he speaks that are absolutely objective, like the scriptures. There are other ways he speaks to us that are far more subjective. We need to judge what we hear. Not, you know, I mean, just because a thought comes to your mind, move to Alaska doesn't mean you should start packing this afternoon. The more significant what the, the, the voice, uh, the, whatever he's saying, the more significant it is, probably the more uh, objective, uh, how do I want to put this? If he's calling you to move to Canada or to Alaska, you probably want more than just one thought that pops into your mind. You want to probably also get wise counsel from others. You probably want to wait. You probably want to, to have, it, have, it, uh, have it come in, in more numerous and more objective ways. I mean, when Penny and I moved from Vineyard Columbus to plant the church up here, God spoke over and over and over again, which was good because we wanted confidence. This is what God wanted. He gave us dreams and visions. He had other people come to us who had visions and prophecies. He, he put things on our heart. He put things in our, in our minds over and over again. He confirmed it. So yes, we want to confirm that we're hearing correctly, but brothers and sisters, we want to assume that he's speaking. And just because sometimes it's difficult to, to capture what he's saying doesn't mean we should just blow it off and say, oh, it's just too hard. It's just too difficult to tune in. He speaks any way he wishes. But it's his voice that has impact. In Psalm 107, the psalmist says, we, we cried out to God in our distress, and he sent his word and healed us. He wasn't talking about sending his, the, the scriptures. The psalmist was talking about, he, he spoke to me, and it brought healing in the middle of my distress. I remember a, a number of years ago, the, you know, Penny and I were in a season where our kids were all going through really, really difficult times. Our, our daughter's husband had left her while she was pregnant and, and, and had gotten involved with another woman. This is back in the mid, or about 2005 or so, 2006. Our, our Christopher, our son, was uh, he had Crohn's disease and it was, he was in major flare-ups continually having, having surgeries and ended up getting addicted and he was in the midst of this horrible addiction to the painkillers that they had given him for, his, for the, the operations that he was undergoing. And JT was seeing what was going on in his older brother and older sister and thinking, you know, if, if, if that's what's going on in their lives, then wh why follow God and what is God up to? And, and he was going through a crisis of faith. And, and this was a time for, for Penny and I we were thinking, oh, Lord, you know, what's going on? What's happening here? And, and I remember I was, I was reading the scriptures. Actually, I was in the Psalms uh, one, one morning, and I was reading Psalm 128. In fact, I, I still have it underlined with the date that uh, the date I was reading. is September 18th, 2006. And, and here's what, what the verse said. It said, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine, flourishing within your home, and look at all of those children. They sit around your table as vigorous and as healthy as young olive trees. And I read that, and it came with some oomph. 
You know what I mean by oomph? You know, it wasn't just a verse. I, I felt like the Lord said, look at that. Danny, that's me to you right now for your situation. And it, it came with, with real power. And enough so and it's, that, I, that I, I wrote the date right there next to it. And said, Lord, I, I believe that's you saying this. And, and I need this. I want to see this. And I held on to that verse for years. Years. Saying, Lord, you said the day will come where, where the situations in my kids' lives will be dealt with. And they'll be flourishing. Lord, I, I, I need to see this. I, I, I hold on to this, this hope. And it was years later, all of a sudden, I was reading, and I came across that verse that I had, and I saw the date, and I realized, Lord, you fulfilled it. You fulfilled it. And I see in, in my children's lives, spiritually, a life that wasn't there then. I, I, Jake, or, uh, Christopher, the Crohn's disease is either healed or in remission that he's a missionary, having overcome the addiction, missionary in Brazil. I, I, JT on staff and the, having dealt with the, the questions and the doubts and the crisis of faith. Chelsea never been better in a better position spiritually. And it's like, God, I, I, that verse is what held me. But I was at a time where I desperately needed to hear from God. And quite frankly, the reality is I'm always at a place where I desperately need to hear from God. And quite frankly, you are always in a place where you desperately need to hear from God. Whether life is good or not good, we need that life-giving connection with the Lord. Genesis chapter 18, verse 9 says, Where's your wife, Sarah? And they asked him, and there in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I have this pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why is Sarah laughing? Uh, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for God, for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did. I, I love this passage for a number of reasons. You know, here God, I mean, he's speaking. There's Abraham outside the tent, and Sarah's hiding in the tent. You know, she's behind the flap of the, the tent, and she's listening to the whole thing, thinking, God doesn't see me. I'm, I'm hiding. I'm out of the way. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in here. You know, he can't hear me laugh because I left under my breath. He can't know what I'm thinking, but God sees and God hears and God understands. <laughs> God says, why? He says to Abraham, although he's really talking to Sarah, well, why did Sarah laugh at me? And Sarah, <laughs> sitting there hiding, you know, sort of like a little kid, I didn't laugh, you know. <laughs> And God says, yeah, you did. Wasn't mad. What I see in this passage is God's desire to connect. I mean, God didn't just relate to Sarah through Abraham. He connected with Sarah directly. And let me just finish by, by pointing something out. There are many of us who assume that God needs some kind of mediator between us and him. And you're perfectly willing to let that mediator be some pastor or a priest. You're willing to let that mediator be some, you know, uh, Christian author. You're, you're willing to let that mediator to be a, 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 my spiritual friend or my small group leader. And what God wants us to recognize is 
there is no need for any mediator, that God's voice to you is able to be recognized and heard. God's desire to speak to you and to hear from you needs no other person. It's fine to have other people to pray for you and talk to you and give counsel, etc. But God is interested in that it is not exclusively that you hear from him through others. He wants us to begin to learn to how to hear from him directly. He wants to, us to hear his voice. And whether you have been taught that, well, you can't really hear from God, he doesn't speak to his people today, except for through the scriptures, maybe that was the, the theology that he, you were taught. It's incorrect. He does speak to us through his word, but he is writing his words on our hearts and our minds, and we need to learn to hear it. Some of us prefer to hear through other people. Some of us just have gotten lazy and have stopped listening. But every one of us, every one of us need to grow in our ability. And the most important, the most valuable uh, to ways that we grow in our ability to hear is welcome those interruptions, make room to listen, ask God to speak, and number two is to recognize that God is continually speaking. And if we're not hearing, it's just because we're still growing in our ability to recognize his voice. And it's a process. It's just the same way we learned how to speak English. If, you, if English is your first language, you didn't come out of the womb knowing how to speak English. At first, you, couldn't, you didn't know the difference between the door slamming and your mother's voice. But over time, you recognize the familiarity of your mother's voice. Over time, you recognize to different words. It was through engagement, through gibberish, through trying to speak, trying to hear, trying to listen, that you grew. It is absolutely no different with God. Give an opportunity to grow, know that he's speaking, make room for it, and I guarantee you, that dialogue with God, which is the normal Christian life, will change your life. Why don't we stand up? Here's what I want to do as we, as we finish up this morning. There, there is, God spoke to me yesterday and said, there are a number of people who, who don't hear me because they've been conditioned to assume that I won't speak to them. And one of the primary ways that many have been conditioned is that we grew up in homes where perhaps our, our father or our parents didn't communicate. They were aloof. They were far off. They were absent. They just, they, they, they had no interest in communicating with us. And we've taken that expectation that we had in our homes with our earthly fathers and superimposed it on our heavenly fathers. And I believe God wants to break that false expectation today. So I'm going to be calling for people to come forward who, who recognize what I'm talking about and need to, to be refreshed in, their, in their, the expectation of their hearts and minds that our Heavenly Father is not like our earthly father. I also believe that God wants to do some healing today, and he put some things on my heart. I, I'm going to just take a risk here. I, I believe that there's, a, there's an individual here who, who is regularly dealing with, I think it's called acid reflux disease. And, uh, and it, it, it's a problem at night and at other times. But who is that? Okay. Why don't you get some prayer for that today? Also, um, I think it's called mitral valve prolapse. You, a condition in your heart, a valve that doesn't fully, I think it's a heart uh, a condition where a valve doesn't fully uh, close. And Lord, just put that word in my mind this morning as we were worshiping. Is there a person here with mitral valve prolapse? Once you get prayer for that. Also, I believe there are people here who have various other conditions that God 
is able and wants to heal. So I'm going to invite you to come forward. Let's make sure everybody that comes up has someone praying for them. And again, if your relationship, particularly with your earthly father, you think is affecting your expectations with your heavenly father, why don't you come forward because God can begin to, to adjust that. Why don't you come forward. Everyone that comes up has someone praying for them. some prayers so come on up and make sure these people have someone praying for them those of you with silent fathers aloof fathers absentee fathers that it affects your expectation that your heavenly father is not one who wants to draw near once you come forward as well there's no place I would rather be no place I would rather be No place I would rather be Here in your love Here in your love No place I would rather be Need some more prayers right here? No place I would rather be No place I would rather be Here in your love Here in your love Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Lord, we ask that you would come. We want more of you. Not just simply more information, but we want more of your activity, your voice in our lives. Father, come and direct us. Direct our steps. Direct our lives. Lord, speak to us. You are our God. We're your people. I pray that you would surprise us, even this very afternoon. Father, surprise us as your voice begun, begins to, to penetrate those, the busyness of our day as your voice penetrates our lack of expectation and anticipation. Father, nudge us, walk us, invite us deeper and deeper into your presence. We welcome you, Lord, into our personal lives. Father, we welcome you into this church. Come, send your spirit, write your words on our hearts, on our minds. In Jesus' name. Amen.